Good day. Welcome to Shepherd the Sheep. This is Pastor Jason Vaughn with Pastor Gina Galimro. And today we will be answering some basic questions that we've heard throughout our ministry and our time in working with people. And I'm sure they're common enough that hopefully they will help you. Good day, and welcome to Shepherd the Sheep. Welcome, everyone. Hopefully, you're having a wonderful day, wonderful week. Hopefully, things are looking good for you. And if not, rest in Christ. Hmm. So, uh, today, a little bit, little bit different format uh, going on today with uh, this discussion because uh, generally, we are committed to helping you be a better churchman or churchwoman and seeing the need for believers to really understand their role in the church and to understand the workings of the church and the makeup of the church. And, you know, we, we've hit over 30 podcasts now, and uh, hopefully they've been a blessing to you. Uh, they've been helpful, I think, to Gino and I. I think we'd be honest that it's always helpful to talk about these things. And it's funny because every time we uncover an issue, I think we go, "Whoa, there's six more podcasts on that issue." Yep, yep. Because it's uh, there's a lot going on. Things that you know, we talked about deacons recently, and want to want to turn around and talk about elders, uh, even though we we have kind of an interview with the elders, so you can know our our history and background. But uh, we want to talk a little bit more about what elders do and structure the church and leadership church. And uh, we're going to talk about marriage and parenting and a couple different things that we want to talk about in the church. So, but today we're going to break from that uh, and we're going to go a slightly different route because we realized that uh, the church is filled with some people who've walked to the Lord for, you know, decades. Mm. You would need, you, you know, you would need to zoom out on the calendar to, to mark how long they've walked to the Lord. And for other people, you need to zoom in, and it's been weeks. Mm-hmm. And so whether you've walked to the Lord for weeks or for months or for years, uh, there are just some questions that, that, that get asked. And so um, today we're going to ask those questions and hear how uh, one of us or maybe both of us might answer that question if somebody asked. And hopefully in asking the question and answering the question, It'll be helpful to you and minister to you as as we are going to try to show you from God's Word, even what God says about some of these things. So uh, with that said, there there are a litany of questions. We have a list of questions, and um, I'm not sure we can get through this in one podcast, to be fair. Probably not. No, and I think we're going to bring it up uh, at the next Elders Deacons meeting, too, and get more questions. So um, we we're kind of formulating the marriage one. If you're listening, really, it would be helpful for you to um, either write down the questions and give them to Caitlin or Amber if you want them anonymous and have them given to us, or to email one of us or to text one of us, or to email the uh, Cornerstone uh, 
ops.lv at gmail.com and ask, ask them those questions and then let them forward them on to us because not, not that we think we're an authority or the authority, uh, but it might be helpful for you to, to hear how does, how do cornerstone pastors answer this question? Because we are trying to say that the way we're answering the question and not that we always think we're right or that, that we need, that we don't need to learn more. But but there is enough of a of a of a grid of experience underneath our belt that we would say, hey, there is some wisdom in the way we think we would answer these questions. Mm. Not trying to call ourselves wise, of course, but just from things we've learned from people that have discipled us and in walking and in taking scripture. Um, and some of these answers don't just have one answer; they've got multiple answers. And so I think it's helpful to realize too that. Sometimes when you ask questions like this, the answers are more proverbial, uh, and, a, and a proverb uh, is, is a general truism that sometimes is not meant to be followed. And so, right, you have this thing that, like, when you read the proverbs, right, uh, answer a fool according to his folly, don't answer a fool according to his folly. Well, they're, like, right back to back in the text. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, well, which one is it? Do I not answer or do I answer? And the wise person understands when not to answer, and a wise person understands when to answer. Mm-hmm. So in understanding the Proverbs, really from, from after chapter 9, because the first nine chapters of Proverbs are kind of linked together in a very rhetorical style, um, but from 10 to the end of the book, they tend to be these like one-off pithy statements. Yeah. And so you have to have wisdom on knowing when to use the wisdom. It's almost like Proverbs is telling us, hey, think critically about something. Don't just have, you know... Um, Canned answers because that's not how life works. Right. Yeah. As much as I wish life were black and white, it's not. Right. Um, Christ is black and white in the sense that uh, there's no other name under under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. But sometimes answering questions for specific individuals is not easy. Mm -hmm. And it's not always the same from people to people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It takes wisdom. Hmm. All right. Well... We're either about to really embarrass ourselves <laughs> or we're about to help you or we're going to do both. Uh, let's see. Let's aim for a little bit of both. <laughs> All right. All right, Gino. Oh, no. Yep. Uh, I'm coming okay. to you with a question. Question right. number one, Gino. Okay. What do I do when I know I should do something, but I just don't feel like it? Hmm. Yeah, that's a good question. How well, do you answer that question? I, you know, that's such a... It's a good question because you're talking about in the context of things pertaining to the church. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe, okay. right, like, um, I mean, honestly, let's let's open that, right? I mean, mm-hmm. somebody could come to you and say, uh, Gino, what do, what, do you, what do I do when I just don't feel like um, going to church, to a church Bible study? Or what do I do when I just don't feel like... Um, engaging my kid who is being sinful yeah or yeah. what do i you know what do i do when i just don't feel like um talking to my spouse or mm-hmm. being intimate with my spouse mm. right so i mean there's all these yeah. right i mean so it's a good question um i i think my answer would be really uh uh, the same answer as if you were to ask me, what do I do when I, if I didn't feel like going to work today? Oh, right? yeah, okay. yeah. So I'd, I'd probably say, well, regardless of whether I feel like going to work, I have to go to work because mm. it's, you know, 
uh, it's my job and I've got to put food on the table and I got to take care of the family. Uh, and ultimately, that's all connected to who we are as human beings and what, what God expects us to be. And I think of um, like a Romans 8.29, you know, well, 8.28, we know this, for all, all things work together for good uh, to those who are called, right? And then 29, for those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, so that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And that conforming to the image of his son is speaking of, uh, the, you know, Christ as the perfect man and how he thought his thinking life and his, and his living life, right? And I think if we lose the, the goal of life, which is to be transformed into the image of Jesus Christ, mm. um, then you kind of lose what you need to be doing mm. in any given, um, uh, any given, you know, part of your life mm-hmm. uh, because that needs to be answered uh, biblically. And, you know, we always talk about responsibilities. Well, I have responsibilities. Part one of my responsibilities is work. One of my responsibilities are serving the church and, you know, um, knowing people and loving people. Well, how do you do that? You can't do that if you don't commit to a Bible study, if you don't commit to one another's in the church. So it has to come down to purpose and, and what your God has called you to do um, at least that's, I, I, I try to build that, you know, the doing from a bigger theology of who I am as a human being right? and, and what I, who I am. And then even further, what I must be as a believer in Jesus right. Christ. Uh, I must be a, a, a man of God who loves the Lord, who loves people who, and who has responsibilities that I must commit to, despite how I feel when what I feel should probably not be the, my, the center control of my life, mm. command center of my life. It should be who Christ is and what he expects me to do. Mm. So like trying to answer that question, then you, you, then you're thinking proverbially and thinking, okay, what does this, what does it mean to be Christ-like in this situation? Yeah. So what you're saying is then, you know, if I'm hearing it correctly is, you know, Gina, I just don't feel like engaging my kids in their sinful behavior right now. Mm-hmm. What you're saying is, well, but, but, Right, that the text says to be a disciple maker as a parent. Mm-hmm. So, uh, as much as you don't want to, the the right response is to still push your feelings aside and go do it. Absolutely, yeah. Okay, and a lot of, a lot of the reason why people you know get exhausted doing things that they're supposed to do but don't want to do it is they might be approaching it wrong. See, this is where it's like pastorally. There's so many things you're uncovering here, yeah. right? Because maybe your parenting is. Um, so self-centered that you exhaust your children and yourself. Yeah. You know, let's ask that question here in a minute. Why am I getting exhausted in everything I do? Because yeah. I think there's, I think that's probably a fair question to ask, but, okay. but back to this, I don't feel like what doing what God's called. I don't feel like doing what I know I need to do. Um, well, how do you respond to them when, how do you respond to that thinking? Like, but, but Gino, if I, if I go do, if I, if I go engage the church uh, a Wednesday night Bible study, and I don't feel like it. Am I not being a hypocrite because I'm just doing it out of duty, not because I want to? Um, Paul. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so you're asking, am I a hypocrite? So a hypocrite, right? I guess you'd have to define that. Are you pre- pretending to be a Christian? Yeah. Or are you just being lazy, right? Yeah, okay. So that's two different things in my mind. Like a hypocrite is someone who is... Uh, you know, they're going out, they're putting on a show um, and they actually go to a Bible study 
they legitimately learn something and they still walk out and they're still really not a believer, mm. you know, maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the lazy person is just lazy. They just don't want to do it because they're, they're lazy and they need to get over their laziness. Is it possible that they're just tired too? Um, yeah, I mean, but like yeah. everyone's tired all the time. Yeah, well, I don't know. I feel, I, I feel tired all the time. Yeah, <laughs> so, I do too. You know, but we, why, why do we, my question is like, why, why is it worth it to, for me to, oh, like to put aside my tiredness yeah. and pursue the thing that's, that seems hard and then walk away thinking, wow, I did something that not only benefited me, but benefited others benefited others mm. and also gave glory to Christ. Yeah. I walk away thinking, wow, that uh that's what I need to be doing because yeah. that's what God called me to do, right? Not that, to sit at home and just kind of twiddle my thumbs. Right. That's interesting too. I mean, honestly in those scenarios, usually I hear, Oh, I didn't feel like coming, but I'm glad I did. It was so good and so rejuvenating. And now it's like a the best night ever, you know? And yeah. Yeah. But but I think I now that can be hard with your kids because your kids, right? You could try to go in and discipline them through an issue, and two seconds later you've got another issue. And yep, yep. Is, is there is there a sense in which maybe even just confessing, Lord, I don't really feel like this is beneficial. Like Lord, I don't really feel like doing this, but I know you want me to. I think so. Um, you know, it, it is it is interesting. I mean. You know, this we might need to talk about this down the road somewhere. Like, how do you self-diagnose yourself, mm. or like, how do you do self-diagnosis according to scripture? Because um, you want to do that uh, regularly to see if what you're saying, what you're, how you're thinking about something, is actually true or biblical. Yeah. So I don't know. Um, so say that question one more time. Well, like, is it is it fair to, you know, you're sitting there on a. On a Wednesday afternoon, Lord, I don't really feel like doing this, mm-hmm. but I know I need to go to Bible study. Yeah. All right, let's go, family. Get in the car. Yep. Then you go, and you get there, and you're tired, and you're worn out. Like, is it fair to, to to maybe, you know, confess to God, God, I don't really feel like doing this? Oh, gotcha. I think so. I think the Lord is, um, you know, the Lord is with us, and the Lord is... Um, the spirit ministers to us and part of that confession is just you're really asking god god how do i do your will yeah like how do i do it in a, in a way that will honor you yeah um you know you might need to learn something about his will sometimes it's just learning that sometimes we we can't be we, we need to not think selfish uh yeah. selfishly selfishly yeah. right because if you're thinking well this is just not going to benefit me as much as i would like it to yeah but you may not know how much it benefits someone else. Yeah. Um, and so, but if you're thinking, wow, if I go, I'm going to add, I'm going to add benefit to someone else's life. And it doesn't matter whether I benefit or not. Wow. That's, that's a lot more like Christ-like thinking to me. Yeah. That's the com- being conformed to the image of Christ. That's what you want in your life. Yeah. You're thinking about the benefit of others, right? Philippians 2, mm-hmm. before your own benefit. Yeah, it it takes. I think it takes a level of conviction to, um, to to get over your sometimes that kind of you know where your feelings dictate your actions. Um, yes, because you've got to be convinced. But I, but I think too maybe even being aware that that probably, uh, you know, in those situ in a, in a lot of those situations when I don't feel like doing something, like you're probably not alone. There's probably a hundred other people that don't feel like doing something. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think when you, 
when you just go forward with your actions, your emotions tend to follow. Yeah. It's like you're committing to, you're committing to it because you know, um, and this is where the convictions do have to come in. Yeah. Because there's a way to, you know, commit to something um, rigidly. Yeah. But like, you're not really present. It's like, you know, you know, what do you, your wife, like, what do you want to eat for dinner? And you're like, uh, and you finally figure it out, but like, you don't want to be there yeah. at all. And you're just like, you missed the point of having dinner together, you know, it's just enjoying each other's company. <laughs> so, uh, it could be the same with, like with the, with the, with the fellowship or ministering to others or. Right. You, know. you certainly hope that, uh, Yeah. That your spouse isn't sitting there going, oh, I guess I'll go do this. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, so you got problems. We should talk. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, okay, so uh, what do I do when I don't feel like it? I think what you're saying is um, if you know that that's exactly what God wants you to do, maybe maybe confess, God, I don't feel like doing it, but I know I need to, and then mm-hmm. go do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I think kind of raise up the question, um, do you know why am I always exhausted in life? Huh. I don't know. Why are you exhausted? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Uh, well, but, Baron, I mean. Maybe uh, you have sleep apnea. No, I didn't. Well, that's, <laughs> I think I didn't do bed. But, but, but in all seriousness, right, like um, maybe the question B should be. Uh, that's a loaded we, question. Well, it's hard. Like, because, what are, you, are you tired of people? Are you tired Physically, no. I think maybe exhausted. I think maybe the question I was trying to strike at is: um, Are you too busy? Am I too busy? Mm, like, like you've done ten things already, and are you just this yeah. is just another thing? What do you say to somebody that says, "Gino, like I can't do that. I've got so many other things on my plate that um, you know I I can't come to I can't commit myself to the church." Mm-hmm. Or you know what? I know my wife wants my attention, but. Um, you know, I'm just really busy and, yeah. uh, you know, or, you know, we're just, our kids are, are really busy, so we, we can't really be involved. Right. What, what do you say to, what do you say to over busy person? Yeah. So for the over busy person, I, I'm assuming the busyness are, are other things in life that are not really connected to their real responsibilities, right? Ooh, okay. Um, and I say real responsibilities because, uh, we kind of chatted about this in terms of parenting. Like what's the goal of parenting? Is it grooming the next doctor, grooming the next pro athlete, or is it discipling children so that they can love the Lord? Right. And if you, if, if that, if it's that, which it should be, and if you don't know it's that, then, you know, you need to rethink your parenting. Right. Um, then taking them to things that like, like Bible study is you're, you're shaping their muscles, right? You're, you're, um, strengthening their muscles. Uh, you know, when you take them to church, uh, and you, teach them what it means to love people and teach them what it means to, to serve and, and, you know, commit. And, uh, you're really doing the things of making a disciple, right? Uh, which is way more important than anything you can ever do for them in their life. Way more important. And if, and I think that's where the conviction level comes in. Right. Right. And so for the person who's busy with life and has committed to other things that are peripheral, in my opinion, my understanding of what Christ has called us to do, you might need to drop those things. You might need to reevaluate life and keep it more simple and keep it, keep it, you know, is my life 
is the goal of life making disciples? If it is, let's go all in. Yeah. You know, um, maybe too, that brings up a question that might ask is why, why do you, why do you, why is your calendar so full? Yeah. Like what, what, what's driving you to, to have this full of a calendar that you're so busy? Because that's, I think that's the one thing I do try to remember is that you, each of us controls our calendar. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, what about this one? So, and I think this is, this is common too. Um, you know, um, uh, my wife expects me to volunteer for this mm. or my husband voluntold me to do this yeah, for what, what do you mean? Voluntold? Well, voluntold is that, that like, um, you know, voluntold, here's what it would look like. Kyla would never do this to me by the way, but you know, Kyla comes home and says, Oh, I volunteered you to go ahead and uh, coach Zach's flag football team. Oh, gotcha. You what? <laughs> yeah, they, they needed a coach, and so I, I volunteered yeah. you. Yeah, I respectfully decline. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's yeah. that, that's probably it. May or may not be the right answer, but if it's if it's uh, to the it, you know, it should not control the center of the home. Um, if it's a peripheral thing and discipleship is the center, then by all means do it. Uh, yeah, but if it's to where like oh, well, I can't do all these things that. Um, are going to benefit me uh, to be more Christ-like in my family, to be more Christ-like, then um, I should probably bow out yeah. of those things. So, yeah, being voluntold, I mean, you might. Uh, there's just some people who are good at everything, and they can they can legitimately volunteer their their life in so many different ways. But man, I wish you know the the Lord actually could use you know those kinds of giftedness in the church too. I would maybe consider yeah. how you can love people and serve people that way. I think it's hard um, knowing, I mean, I do know that there are couples out there that volunteer each other without asking or, or pressure their spouse into being involved with something. I, I think I would want to caution that you, you are weakening your marriage, not strengthening it. Hmm. Why does that happen? I've never... You, you've not run into this? Yeah, really. Oh, this is maybe it's just a white people thing. <laughs> I don't know, but this is this is way more common than than you're probably aware of. Where where somebody will volunteer their spouse to do something. Oh, I volunteered you to help the the Johnsons move on Sunday, or mm. or you know, yeah, I've, I uh, uh, you know, so and so's coming in town, and it's Sunday afternoon, and so I told him we would have brunch with them, mm -hmm. and uh, so we're going to miss church that day, and you're like. Hmm. You just you what like so that that's the voluntold right mm -hmm. and I I would want to say that that whenever whenever you do that with other people you you are weakening your relationship with them um, unless there's some kind of predisposition like hey anytime your family comes in town I will stop everything to to admit, to do whatever you need me to do for that right then in that case they're following yeah a preset out um, disposition yeah. preset out criteria. I feel like parents normally do that. Parents do that sometimes with their kids, but yeah. But sometimes I think spouses do it to each other. It's more common than you think. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I, I, my my my, my parents try to vol volunteer me to do things, and I always tell them. I usually like eighty percent of the times I end up saying I can't do it. I yeah. just can't. Yeah. It's on a Sunday or it's on a you know yeah. it's on a day that that's just not going to work. Well, I think that's the that's the problem, right? Is um, it doesn't really take into consideration what your spouse is doing. Yeah. 
you know, so what do you do when a guy comes to you and says, you know, yeah, my wife fallen told me to do this. And I know if I say no, it's going to create a fight. Oh, I see what you should But at the same token, like, you know, unfortunately this is where motives in, in, in relationships can be different and come to play. But what do you say to that guy? Hmm. Can he just go say no? I mean, what if he's like scared of saying no? Yeah. 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 That's a, that's a little bit harder situation. Cause I'm, I'm, I'm guessing that guy's probably said yes all his life. Maybe. So you might have to sit down and have a conversation with the wife and be, and be like, and re realign priorities. Yeah. Be like, you know what? We, uh, we should really think about how, I mean, I love, I love doing serving in this way, but we have to think about my role yeah. and, what I ultimately want to do and what we should be doing is this. Let's do, let's focus on this and let's start, let's start, you know, if we need to say no to certain things, let's say no. Yeah. I also think if you're, if you're that spouse who your, your spouse is scared to come and say no to you, you need to ask yourself why. That's fair. You need to ask yourself what, what's going on in your life that nobody can tell you now. Mm-hmm. By the way, you have a pride problem. Ooh. Yeah, I should say that a little louder just in case somebody has the volume done. You have a pride problem. If nobody can tell you no, you have a pride problem. Right. Yeah. And in fact, your yeah, your worship's in danger, to, to be very fair. Um, that's that's not a good place to be. Your spouse should be able to say no to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And if your spouse is in sin for saying no to you, then, then um, you probably haven't done a good enough job of explaining um, why why you want that thing, something done or what you're asking for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. But that, that can be difficult. I think we're, this is why some of this kind of bleeds into the marriage one that we're talking about doing here soon. So, mm-hmm. um, okay. So we've talked about what do I do when I don't feel like it. Uh, what do you, what do you tell a spouse who, who's being voluntold by their, by their spouse to do things? Um, is it hypocrisy to to do something you don't feel like doing? And they have the answers. No, actually, I liked your answer there because, uh, well, if you're a Christian and you don't feel like it and you do it anyway, that's not hypocrisy. Mm-hmm. It's hypocrisy for a non-Christian to do something that's a Christian and pretend like they're being a Christian. Yeah. Very big difference. Mm-hmm. All right. I got a list of questions. Gino, can you lose your salvation? Can you lose your salvation? Age old question. Who's asking this? Oh, this is, you know what? This is way more common yeah. than you realize. Yeah. Well, I think it, it's common in the sense that, like, when someone's struggling in yeah. life and they're like, you know, am I really, am I still saved? Yeah. I mean, I think that's, that's what you're asking, right? Well, I mean, that, you know, we, we, we get that. Like, I don't, uh, you get this in a couple ways. I don't feel assured of my salvation. Mm-hmm. Uh, can I lose my salvation? Um, I, I think those are, those are common, man. And, and what, what, what's at the heart level that's prompting that question to be asked, mm-hmm. you know, what, what do you hear? What, how do you interpret that question? Yeah. Um, well, w- what we've experienced is when that question often comes up is they're struggling with usually some kind of sin issue in life yeah. that they feel like they should have overcome perfectly. You know what I mean? Like, uh, you know, uh, and everyone has just a a weakness in life. It's that, you know, 
it's just it's just whatever for whatever reason you get saved and you you are able to say no to drunkenness addiction uh, but like for whatever reason you can't get over anger you know what I mean yeah uh, or you can't get over anger the way you'd like to yeah um, and you feel like gosh am I really saved like why can't I why do I get angry so easily yeah is that is that kind of what you're talking about I think so. Um, you know, because what you hear when somebody says, can I lose my salvation is, is seems like what you're hearing the mask is maybe I'm struggling with some kind of assurance. Like, am I really saved? Mm. Which is causing you to ask the question, why are you asking that question? Yeah. And I think you're right. Usually there's some kind of pressing issue in the conscience Mm -hmm. that is not being relieved, causing us to doubt our salvation. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, is that is that kind of what you're hearing? Yeah, I think yeah. so. I, there's there. I mean, usually that's the case. There have been cases where, you know, I just don't know if Christ really died or like I I don't I just don't I just it's I find it hard if you're if they're saying I find it hard to believe that Christ's death atoned for sins. Okay, that's a faith issue at that point. Yeah, yeah. that's like legit. Like okay, yeah, that's a harder, not harder, but that's like a real. The answer is. Probably similar, like you know, the reaffirmation of the gospel is yeah. always helpful in in all situations. But it's like the understanding, um, you know, that that belief you know, is a spirit working in a person to 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 help them to believe that Christ died for their sin. That's, yeah. I, I guess, it's almost a different category if someone doesn't really believe that or they're struggling with that. Then then I would say that's a legit kind of you know belief issue. Yeah. I don't know. Is that a, how do you think about that? Well, that one's interesting because, right, I think that, that nature of the question peels off in like what you're saying. Sometimes we doubt scripture. Mm. But maybe that's a, maybe let's ask that question as, uh, well, so when you doubt scripture, what do you do? Yeah. Yeah. Do you believe it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> just believe, man. <laughs> well, it's funny. It, it's I mean, as simple as that is. Yeah. There's there's a question that I almost want to that I'd almost ask. Like, what prevents you from believing the text to be true? Mm. Yeah. And it's a good question. I almost think it comes back to the same issue, though. Mm-hmm. Um, for some people, am I really forgiven? Mm. It is a inability to grasp that the cross is greater than your sin. Yeah. And so then you have to ask the question, is God lying to me when he says that this sacrifice once for all, for all time? Mm-hmm. And uh, there in Hebrews 10, I think 14 and 10, um, 10, 10, 10, 14. Uh, I might be off a verse or two on that. But right when he says that, like, is that sacrifice greater? If it's greater, like if the text means what it says, then it's greater than your sin. Um, you know, so yeah, it's I get weird it. because it's almost like a it, it's a it's a form of pride because you're like wait, you're, you're saying your sin is greater than what God can accomplish. Yeah, it really like is a form can, of pride. Yeah, it's either like no, God can't love me because I'm too bad of a sinner. Yeah, it's it's like like whoa, like really, God can't yeah. love you, or it's like no, um, you know, I, I uh, you know, God can't love me. Or I can't. I I don't believe that God like loves like that. Or yeah, yeah. But yeah, I mean that's 
again, like um, another issue is maybe it's a, an authority. Like I, you know, like yeah. the question you asked about the scripture, like why don't you believe it? Yeah. And it's because sometimes people struggle with the authority of the scripture. Yeah. Maybe that's what it ultimately comes down to. Like, you know, you believe for whatever reason, the spirit um, enables believers to believe that the scripture is authoritative in their lives. Yeah. You know, I, I'll pause real quick because we asked the question, what do you do when you're not assured of your salvation? And here we are. We've moved in this direction of what do you do when you don't believe the text? And I'll rewind. Yeah, yeah. But I think there's a point here. And that is that um, anytime you hear these questions asked, you, you hear, you, if, if you're listening, you, you hear Gino trying to put a context with this. And at some level, the answers are easier to answer if there's a context and a human being behind the question because you know the human being and you know the context and you know a little bit more of the details behind the question. And so asking these questions in this very general way has drawn out that that general questions, though, though, they, though they can be answered and helpful, um, they're, they're not, they're not, it's not always easy. And again, it's not always black and white. And I think for us to realize black and white is there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Um, but, but gray is answering these questions that people wrestle with and struggle with in life. Mm-hmm. You know, well, what do I do? And I don't feel like it. Well, you know, you may be so tired because you say yes to everything in life that you don't feel like doing anything. Mm. And so at that point, you probably need to simplify your life and go back and be like, what's important? Spouse, church, kids, work. Mm-hmm. And, you know, yeah. So I'm going to pair things out of my life that it doesn't fit that paradigm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, right. I think, I think that's why you're kind of struggling with these answers, which is fair. But then when there's a specific context and content with, with details, the answers come, uh, with, with a greater clarity because of that. Yeah. And so I think listening, you know, if you're listening to that, that, that there's a lesson here in listening to this podcast that, that could be learned. And that is that you've got to understand who's asking the question and why the question is being asked a little bit. Um, because if somebody's just struggling to see the text is greater than their sin, well, one, we've all had that question. Two, it's pride. But three, you don't necessarily say it's pride. You maybe ask a question of, well, listen, is God lying to us when he says that the cross is greater than our sins? Mm. And if the person says yes, then it's like, okay, we'll take them to, to Hebrews 6 and show that it's impossible for God to lie. But if the person says no, then it's like, look, there, there is a rest that you need to follow up with. Look, rest in the cross being greater. Rest in scripture being right and more true than your feelings or your emotions or your thinking. But then the second part of that, which is, kind of more in line with, I think, the original way the question is being asked is, what do I do when I don't feel sure of my salvation? Your comment was, well, is that a is that a mark of them not believing or them struggling with sin? And I think that's probably a fair follow-up mm. because, you know, yeah, if you're, if you're blatantly living in a sinful way, you're going to struggle feeling sure of your salvation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because ultimately you're being pushed with the question of, is your sin greater than the gospel? Like, mm. which do you love more? Yeah. Yeah. So what do you tell that person? You know, hey, look, uh, I just don't understand it, right? I've had to confess to to liking Starbucks coffee 600 times. <laughs> but I went back and bought it today. It's like Stockholm Syndrome. 
I'm just kidding. It's not sinful to like Starbucks. It is a preference issue. Mm-hmm. I'm not supposed to joke about coffee anymore because <laughs> apparently we need more tea jokes. I'm just kidding. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> you have to you have to bring us back. Yeah, I brought us back. Okay. So what what do you do there? All right, so the person's struggling. Um, yeah, Gina, I just don't know that I, I... I'm not sure of my salvation. I'm not sure... You know, you can, you can pretend I'm the person asking the question. Yeah, so so you're, you're, you're struggling uh, because why? why? Why do you feel that you're not... Uh, that you're not saved? Yeah, I just... Uh, I mean, every day at work, I just get angry with all my coworkers every day. Mm. Yeah. They never bring me donuts. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> you bring donuts and no one no one is appreciative and nobody, then, nobody. and then and then uh yeah. they don't bring donuts ever on your birthday. That's right. They don't even know it's my they birthday. Don't care. They don't yeah. care about they don't you. They don't care about my birthday. Yeah. Yeah, so you're struggling with, you're struggling with anger. And so do you uh how does that anger express and why do you think that uh you know are you are you are you like I don't know. Yeah, sometimes I yell, sometimes I sulk, sometimes oh. I slam doors. Oh gee, yeah, yeah. That's but but I mean I confess and I ask forgiveness, but I just don't feel like maybe mm. I'm saved. Okay, and you feel you don't feel that you're saved because you can't. Do you, what are you struggling specifically? Just the anger? Are you trying to? Is it because you think you, um, you know, is it because you can't get rid of the anger? Yeah, yeah, I just can't get rid of it. Gotcha, gotcha. And is is um. And is the the gospel? Uh, this is like so generic. I'm like, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I almost want to ask. Okay, so is 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 the death of Christ not enough to forgive yeah. the sin of your anger? Hmm. I didn't even think about that. Mm. Maybe maybe that's the answer too, right? That you know, I mean, assurance is so many things, right? Like, like uh, met people who weren't sure of their salvation because they didn't go to church. And it's like, well, you're neglecting a huge part of your salvation. So I can understand why God maybe would not let you feel assured of your salvation. And that's Hebrews six, nine through 12 talks about things that accompany salvation that provide assurance and hope and steadfastness, but being plugged into the local church. But maybe that's the other part of it, right? You don't feel assured of your salvation because you, maybe, maybe your first question of going back to the gospel was the right answer, right? That, that there is a, that there is a sufficiency in the truthfulness of scripture that I am to rest in. Mm-hmm. I like it. Yeah. That rest in. And you know, sometimes people just, they don't, I think when they, um, when there's a lack of confession too, yeah, maybe like they don't feel close to God. Yeah. You know, that, that like, you didn't really think about the cross and how God forgave you. You didn't, you didn't kind of, go to God and be like, man, that was so wrong of me. You didn't ask forgiveness for being angry. So it's kind of like you're, you're um, like neglecting all these means of grace for your life. Yeah. And yeah, it's kind of hard to feel like yeah. God's love when you don't. Well, and maybe too, right? Like how many times do I have to confess this? And is God tired of me because I've confessed this for my 600th time? Yeah. Like I trust the cross, right? Maybe, maybe that's, maybe that's, uh, you know, this is why it's so important to understand what's behind the the question. But in this situation, right? Maybe that, maybe this the person's like, look, uh, I, I've checked pornography out three times a week for 
you know, the last year and a half and I've confessed and I stop and I'm good for a couple of days and I go right back into the cycle. Do you know, like, mm-hmm. I mean, how do I know God's just not put down with me? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, again, is the cross not sufficient for sin? And then secondly, um, you know, have you learned mm. to, you know, have you learned to walk in righteousness? Mm. Like, what does that look like in your life? Cause if you have not, then maybe the problem is not that, you know, you know. It's, I think one, the fact that you're bringing it up is a good thing because you know that it's wrong. Yeah. Um, but you're struggling, right? Yeah. And you're really what you're asking me is like, how do I walk in a way that would please the Lord in this area? Yeah. And we can talk about that. You know. Oh, so so maybe maybe my my lack of assurance isn't necessarily that that God's done with me. Maybe maybe there's this pressing that I need to learn how to. Do. How to handle this? Yeah, I mean, it's good that God is the Spirit is working in your heart because He's trying to conform you to the image of His Son. Yeah, but now the question is, okay, like, is it automatic? Is it just turn off? Like, does God just make you? Um, does God just turn off our our sinful tendencies um, when we get saved? And I, I don't think that's true because we're still human. We have, we've not been resurrected. We don't have a new body. Right. So, you know we still struggle with sin. Yeah. Well, and, and there's still the reality that if your faith is in Jesus Christ, First um, Peter 1, 4, to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, mm. who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed. So God is not in the business of saving people, then releasing them from salvation Right, those whom he's those whom he has redeemed, he has chosen and reserved a spot in heaven, and nothing can take that away. Mm-hmm. You know, so probably the the question is what what is in your actions that needs to be confronted and addressed and worked through. Mm-hmm. You know, and so it could be one that you don't understand that the cross is greater than your sin, or two, it could be that you need to you need to to realize that this habitual thing that is causing you to doubt your salvation, you need to deal with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of, there's, there's, yeah, there's multiple aspects there. Um, but I think what I heard you say, I think I'm summarizing into those two. Yeah. It, it could be both one. You need to, you need to rest in the cross. So maybe you, there's still doubt about the cross in your heart, mm-hmm. which again, that, God forgives that doubt. Mm-hmm. And two, maybe you just need to start to say, okay, I do rest in the gospel, but now I need to start to like, um, I need to, I need to learn how to submit the desires of my flesh and quit opening the computer late at night. I need to go to bed. Yeah. 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 And it, you know, that takes, believe it or not, it's weird, but I, to say it this way, but that takes faith. Yes. Um, and God has graced us with that. I think believe, understanding how God works in our lives, like yeah. he's given you every spiritual blessing yeah. to, to, to be able to please him. Yeah. So now, now it's, you know, okay, Lord, leave me now. Like what do I do now. Yeah. You know? Well, and, and I think too, knowing that marriage, um, right. Cause some guys will go off. Oh, I'll just get married on the porn, porn issue. No, mm. that actually won't solve your problem. There's, there's a lust problem. Yes. It's not a, it's not a, computer it's not a lack of intimacy problem it's not a lack of sex problem it's a lust problem and you can be in a marriage where there's habitual engagement and still have a lust problem so mm-hmm. yeah 
All right. Uh, let's let's kind of go back to um, let's see here. Oh, I- Can you lose your salvation? Yeah, we talked about that. You cannot. Uh, but it's probably rooted in something that you need to address. Yeah. yeah, it's probably you're either saved or you're not saved. Yeah. So what we what, what you know as we work with people who struggle with that, we find out they are saved or they're not saved. And the but the funny thing is, like the solution to both is really the gospel. Yeah. So it's like yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's realizing for the saved person, it's realizing that the cross is sufficient and. Yeah. um like part of salvation is that he has saved you. He is saving you and he will save you. Yeah. All right. How do I minister to my friend who um, doesn't want to go to church, but um, listens to sermons every day? Isn't that okay? Because I mean, they're getting the word of God every day. Mm, Interesting. How do I minister to that friend? All right. Well, why does your friend not, like going to church or why does he not go to church? Well, he just doesn't, he just says he doesn't need it. I mean, he gets the word of God every day. He's a good Mm -hmm. employee, says he repents of his sin, confesses his sin. Mm -hmm. But yeah, and he's, you know, he says, listen to all these good guys on online, MacArthur, Piper, Sproul, you know, uh, Joel Osteen and yeah, not yet. No, he <laughs> says he knows Joel's a Joel's a false teacher and oh. sinful, and so you know it doesn't. Do, you know he's got some discernment out there, but okay. Yeah, he just doesn't see the point because, um, yeah, he just sees there being better things, right? Like, he, you know, he just mm-hmm. doesn't see the point of coming. He mm-hmm. he gets the word of God every day, and he loves Jesus Christ, and he loves Jesus, and he prays every day, and he reads knows his that, Bible. He knows what's important to Jesus Christ, and mm-hmm. he knows that one of Christ's highest priorities is his church. Hmm. Does he know that? Because if he did, I wonder if he would think differently about the church. Hmm. Because in Ephesians 3, 2 and 3, his atonement wasn't only, right? And this is the part where you're really teaching them. This is the teaching aspect of ministry. You're teaching them, you know, um, from the scripture, like the importance of why. Like, it's not going to church. It's, if you are saved, then you're a member. You should be a member of a body, and what that means is you participate because uh, God has God's Christ's atonement brought us into the body. Oh, right. so you're so you're saying that maybe I should tell my friend that um, that possibly he's dumbing the church down to an event and a lecture, mm-hmm. whereas you're saying it's a relationship. Mm-hmm. And a and a involvement. Absolutely. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. You should check out Cornerstone Church. Yeah. I mean, honestly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, but but this this is interesting too, Gino, because see, I'm a single guy, and a lot of people here are married. So, how can I really be involved with these people? Because they're married. I'm not. They have kids. I'm not. Uh, is that really going to minister to me? Ah. Absolutely. Oh, look at that. Absolutely. I didn't put this one in the list. I know. A little curveball there for you. Yeah. Well, I mean, do you, um, uh, well, let me ask you this. Do you plan on getting married one day? Uh, I mean, I've been on Farmers Only for a while. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to be lonely. Uh, uh, but so far, I've been lonely because there's been, no Christian uh, farmers, apparently, yeah, in Nevada. Yeah. So I know, shocking, none in northern, southern Nevada. I guess there's no farms here. It was a big farm, but a different kind of farmer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, so yeah, I mean, maybe someday. Yeah. And, um, well, yeah, there's, gosh, I sh- yeah. I mean, um, whether or not you plan to um, be married, the Lord has gifted you to serve all people, not just singles and not just marrieds, but actually you're actually, you've been gifted to be part of the body and to serve, you know, people yeah. in general. So you can't, you can't uh, put yourself in a category and say that you only can function in this kind of way. Um, now I know it's possibly your preferred way, but yeah. you have to think, you have to think a little bit more biblically about what that should look like. Are you saying that because I mean in my in my mind like singles um I need to be with other single people. Mm. Are you telling me that I don't need to be with other single people? Yeah, I'm, t- I'm telling you that you need to learn from the body as a whole, from singles and from couples and from older couples and from um, widows and from, you know, and from like, you, know, you need to learn from everybody. You can learn something from everybody and you can also be a blessing or a, uh, you can participate in such a way that you can be a blessing to their lives. So you don't ever want to neglect that gift to other people's life. Mm. And also you don't want to neglect that gift from their lives to yours. So um, uh, if you are a single person looking to be married one day, then you can learn a lot from godly married people. So how do I go about doing that? How do I, because these, they, you know, like, like with my single friends, I can just go over to their house on a Tuesday night and hang out and watch movies with them and play video games and, <laughs> that would be and go home at three in the morning yeah. and get up at five and go back to yeah. work and be tired all day. But, but how, you, you can't do that. Guy, why don't you try to do that? My married buddies are like, dude, my wife would not be okay with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how do you do that? Yeah. That's a good question. That's a good question. That's that is a good question, it. yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think number one, get to know them, and okay. then um, and then see what the what kind of doors the Lord has uh, can open for you to spend time with them. Now, obviously, it's going to look different, but it doesn't mean it's not beneficial. Mm. Um, you know, it doesn't mean you can't go and have a, spend an hour at lunch and look what it means to like be around a family and how they engage and or spend, you know, have dinner with them or, uh, or just come alongside, um, you know, w- one day and just to learn what it means to be a husband from, from the, um, from the, uh, spouse or from, yeah, from the, uh, guy. Oh, what am I yeah. Okay. Say? Father. So you're saying maybe like see if he can do lunch or, or breakfast or, Mm-hmm. Whatever works for him, because yeah. you have to kind of you're you're single, you're available, and you're gonna have a lot more time on your hands. So you gotta be uh, able to be a little bit more flexible, because you know family's a little bit more difficult with time schedule. Yeah, so you're almost saying that as the single person, one of the ways is to try to cultivate relationships with the, with so in a single guy with other married guys might might not be the best approach to be calling another married guy's wife and like, hey, you wanna have lunch? Yeah. Yeah. So probably stay away from that one um, because, again, not necessarily the best approach. Mm-hmm. But with with guys, right? So that that reality that you may be more flexible. Um, so kind of work a little bit around their schedule. But it's not like it's wrong for a single guy to say, "Hey, man, you want to go play golf, or you want to go? Is there a time we could go catch a movie, or allow them to invite you over for dinner with them?" Yeah. Absolutely. Yep. So, I mean, I know I wouldn't have a problem with a single guy was here, you know, especially if we have, you know, two or three families here. It's, you know what I mean? At some point when you, when you hit that six to seven, 
you know, uh, just, just to let yourself feel like a fifth wheel, but mm. no, you're not a fifth wheel because they invited you over. Yeah. I think, I think that's the hard part, right? Is, um, to do, I think I remember being a single person and thinking married, married classes were for married people, single people are in the cool room. Um, but that's not true. That like that, that dichotomy is actually nowhere in scripture. That idea is nowhere in scripture, but it's weird. The things we tell ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I and mean, yeah. I mean, if you had a godly mom and dad that you grew up under the, your whole life, yeah, what you really did is just learn under them the whole, the, the whole time. Right. Yeah. So but, like, but a lot of us didn't. I know. Yeah. yeah. So which, which means you're probably going to need to know what it looks like to be a godly family. Right. Yeah. So it's a good idea to, to, to learn. Yeah. Well, and I think it, you know, I would even say like the, the single women, I think it's okay for you to, to ask a married woman in the church, Hey, can I just come over and hang out while you do things? And we don't, we don't even have to like, I have no expectations of what we talk about. Mm-hmm. I just want to see how you do things. Yeah. And hang out and help you. Yeah. And so I would even say, right, like if you're if you're a stay at home mom and you got some single woman there helping you fold clothes and do the dishes or it's basically a free home ec class. It's it is. <laughs> but but the thing they're also seeing is the way you engage your kids. Absolutely. Um, and then they can ask questions like, Why do you guys do this? Mm-hmm. Um, but but even then, like if if you know you're if um both of you do work like I would even say it'd be like if I came here one day and there was a single woman hanging out with Kyla and she was like, ah, I just want to understand. Like, I'd be like, cool, great. Have fun. I'm going to go up front and have a cigar. Mm-hmm. Maybe hypothetically. Right. Would, yeah. Hypothetically, of course. Yep. So, um, yeah, you know, it might be right. It might be beneficial. I, I do kind of wonder, like, are there things that, that we need to think about as married people in terms of taking care of single people? I think so. I think I think it's always a hard. Um, it's always a harder um, uh, group at a church with young families or with families or you know. I, I think number one, you have to start thinking biblically and understanding that um, it's it's one thing if the church is pushing out certain kinds of families. It's another thing if you're not taking advantage of what's what the Lord has put before you. Mm. You know what I mean? Because there's some, you know, I mean, at least with us, I hope we communicate that everyone's valuable. Mm-hmm. Uh, we love, uh, we love younger people, and we love, you know, older families, older uh, men and women, especially those who have been in the faith for years. Mm-hmm. They're such great, um, you know, just great resources. Yeah, I think that's a honestly, I think that's a stigma that um, unfortunately sometimes cultures can create. If every sermon's application is about your spouse and you're not married, sometimes you kind of tune that out mm. rather than realizing that, hey, you know, I can watch the way that Gino um, serves Jesse and learn a little bit about relationships, you know, now um, and just see how he listens to his wife, cares for his wife, loves his wife. Um, like I can apply that to any human being, mm. not just my spouse. So, you know, but but sometimes I think we unknowingly communicate that that couples with kids are the most valuable part of the church, and that's just not true. Uh, Matthew nineteen, I believe, Jesus talks about the eunuch and um, the kids, 
And I think there's some, something interesting in Matthew 19 going on there where Matthew is writing in such a way to, to, to showcase that the things that the people that the world doesn't necessarily see as valuable are equally as valuable in the kingdom of heaven. And so we mm-hmm. we do need to communicate, listen, every human being in the church is valuable, right? The church is made up of believers, but every human being that attends is valuable, right? So our children are valuable, even if they're not members of the church yet, they're still valuable because they're children. And it's the same thing with single people. Single people are not less valuable than married people. Uh, it's unfortunate that some that some churches won't let single men be elders because they're not married. I think that's hogwash. I think mm. that that's not what the text says. And um, you know, some of the pushback I've heard on that is really bad, uh, and it makes me scratch my head. But uh, at the same token, you know what? I'm not over that church, and. Uh, each of us are going to be accountable for the way we shepherd our flock. So mm-hmm. there's also a part of me doesn't want a Monday morning quarterback that, but other than to say that it can perpetuate this, this ideal that unless you have a singles ministry, you don't really have, you don't really care about your singles. And and I think, mm-hmm. I think that could be observed by single people. Mm-hmm. And so we, we need to make, you know, we need to be aware of that. Um, You know, there's so many, right. I mean, so many weird things in this culture where, um, you yeah. know, unfortunately people value leaders as more important. Leaders mm-hmm. are not the most important part of the church that would make men and men elders, the most important people in the church and the church mm-hmm. does the Bible to talk about like that. Mm-hmm. Does the hand say to the foot? No, it doesn't because everybody is important. Mm. So, yeah, I think we, we, I think as a, a church or churches in general and people in general tend to flock together like you know birds of the same feather flock together so there is a natural tendency to kind of be um closer to people in the same kind of um you know uh period in your life what is that called uh season season there you go that's the word yeah same season in life and that that's that's um that's true um and i think what we're saying is be be the kind of believer that is always not just thinking about the easier, um, you know, like we, we basically need to think about our singles. We need to think about families. We need to think about younger couples. We need to think about all of them because all of them need, they, they all need ministry and they're all important yeah. and they're all useful to, for the kingdom. And they need to be thinking about how they could serve, you know, learn and serve all those other uh, people in different seasons in life. Uh, and 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 to not neglect those people as well. Like it goes both ways. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, as a as a single, yeah, you know, um, husbands free your wives up to go hang out with with other ladies, whether they be single or married. Mm. Um, wives, don't be mad at your husband if he wants to go play golf with another guy in the church, you know, or, or go hang out with him for a couple hours. Like, you know, um, encourage those kind of things because it's all important. Yeah. Yeah, I like it. Well, this was kind of a smorgasbord of questions, and I and I think we have more. Uh, the million dollar question is, um, you know, probably the next podcast we will get to more of these questions because we have some other good ones. Like, uh, you know, maybe we can finish with this one. I think we have enough time for one more. Mm. All right, Gino, how do you how do you keep serving somebody that you know is taking advantage of you? 
Uh, you have to paint that picture a little bit for me. What does that look like? Um, you know, maybe maybe somebody knows that they can always, um, you know, maybe just somebody knows that the, you, that you're going to say yes. Oh, I see. To, you know what, I need to help Gino, and I know you'll say yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and at some point you kind of go, is this person just kind of like mm-hmm. taking advantage of me? Yeah. Um, what do I do in that situation? Yeah. Yeah, I think um, you want to ask a lot of questions and understand the situation of that person and know, you know, um, what they uh, what the legitimate need is. Mm-hmm. Because if if you're just kind of uh, serving at their every whim, mm-hmm. then you're really not ministering to them necessarily. Right. At that point, you're just enabling them to take uh, their their you know their maybe they're just the kind of person who likes taking advantage of people. Oh yeah. As at this point, your best ministry is helping them think through um, how you know how people can help them. Mm-hmm. So sometimes it's simple as like, okay, so you know. Someone asks you, oh, you know, can can um, can you come over and, you know, mow the lawn or whatever, you know? Yeah. Uh, I'd love to, um, you know, and this is like a, maybe a single woman. She, uh, she no kids uh, at home. Um, and you're like, yeah, I'd love to. And she's like, yeah, I need you to come over right now, you know? Well, I'd love to, but I, I, um, I can't right now. You know, I got, I've, I've got to do X, Y, and Z and you probably, you probably try to figure out how you can help them. But, um, you know, in a, I I guess either help them see that like your life is part of your life is to help minister to them, but also know that like your life is not your, your ministry is not just to them. It's to a lot of other people as well. Yeah. So like you, they can't just like, Hey, you know, whenever, whenever I need something, you're going to come and do it. You know? <laughs> yeah, so yeah. I think I, that's helpful because I remember, um, getting, I remember upsetting somebody once because, um, she had asked us to come help. And I said, yes, but I can't right now. And I knew her motives were off and I knew what she wanted was off, but what she was asking help for wasn't sinful. So I was like, I don't, I don't mind being overly gracious though. I know your motives are sinful, but I remember her being like, well, you're the pastor. You're supposed to drop everything to come serve me. And I had to tell her like, look, it's not an emergency. This is not like life or death. If I don't come do this right now, but part of me being responsible as your pastor is also picking an appropriate time to do this. And because it's not a real emergency, though you may be emotional, you know, I, you know, it's not the best time for us to talk about this. Mm. So I can serve you on like in a couple of days at this time. Yeah. And you can come over and my wife and I will be there and you can, we can talk about this in a couple of days. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's interesting, right? Because, you know, I know her motives. I know what they were for. Um, and they they weren't necessarily right motives. But at the same token, it wasn't that she was asking me to sin either. Yeah. 
And so, you know, I think, I think there's another elder that we've talked about this in, in terms of him helping one of his family members where we said, you know, like, yeah, it's your family and your family's pressuring you to like, well, I'm your family. You got to honor me. And it's like, yeah, I want to honor you and I want to serve you, but it doesn't necessarily mean I have to do it just on your timetable. Like the timetable you're proposing doesn't work out or your, or your prescription. Yes. Or your prescription. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a good point too. Really important. Um, yeah, it's like I, I based on what you told me, this is the actual issue, and yeah. what you're asking for is a solution, yeah. but it's not the only solution. Yeah, I noticed that with drug with drug addict family members is oftentimes they'll be like, "Well, I've got this problem, and I need a hundred bucks," and you're like, "Well, I can help you with this." Well, no, but no, but that helps you solve the problem. Mm-hmm. Well, but I need the hundred bucks. No, mm-hmm. you're now asking not only for you're not asking for my help. You're telling me the manner in which I have to help you. Mm-hmm. And I know you, I know, you know, you're not trustworthy with this money. Mm-hmm. So I will just buy this for you yeah. and do this. I'm not going to give you, you know, and so right at some level understanding who's asking you, but, but I would say this too, like if it's innocuous things, not so much, you know, if it's just somebody's lazy and wants you to do it for them, there, there is a part of me that's like, you know, kill people with kindness and say yes to as much as you can. And, you know, hey, I can't really do that right now, but I could do that tomorrow at 8 o'clock for you. You know, as a truck owner, that happens sometimes. Yeah. You know, where the same person calls you all the time for their for your truck. And, and I've had to say a couple of people, I know you're looking for this right now. However, I cannot leave my studies and stand in the pulpit on Sunday. Mm-hmm. So, but I can come on Monday and help you do that on Monday. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they say yes, and sometimes they say no. Mm-hmm. And and but that's the point, right? I'm I'm willing to help. Yeah. Sometimes it just has to fit in. Um, but then, right, it, it becomes an interesting. I'm always a fan of. Uh, you may be asking for me to pray for you with the wrong motives, but I don't see what you're asking for being a problem in Scripture, and I see it good to pray for you, so I will pray for you. Yeah even if your motives are wrong, yeah. you know? And so it's also helpful. Like what you brought up earlier, like the emergency aspect of yes. things. Um, people make things seem like an emergency. Yeah. Um, when in reality, it may not really be an emergency. Oh man. I can't tell you how many times in marriage counseling, somebody's like, I need to talk right now. You guys have been struggling for like 10 years. We can talk on Monday. Mm. Like it's not an, like you, you've been wrestling with this yeah. for a long time. Yeah you don't need to talk to me right now. Mm-hmm. Like this is not worth me saying to my wife, honey, I got to leave the restaurant to go talk to somebody about the problem. They've been having for 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. No, nope. I'm going to keep talking to my wife. Yeah. Yeah. That way I don't have problems. Yeah. yeah. That's, <laughs> that's that way. Really I don't have good. to have that conversation with that's Gina. The- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, that's helpful because, um, you know, people who love helping, um, you know, that's those kind of things are important for them to know so that yeah. they're not um, doing that and at the same time neglecting yeah. their other responsibilities. You can't neglect other responsibilities just so you can feel good about helping somebody else. Yeah. I, when somebody's highly, honestly, when somebody's highly emotional, in my opinion, it's not always the best time to talk to them mm. because they're so emotional. They're not thinking straight. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, it's like, um, you know, if you're a coach and you notice your pitcher has a major mechanics flaw mm-hmm. in the middle of the first inning, well, that's not the time to call time and go out and say to him, "Hey, man, you're doing this with your you're doing this with your plant foot, 
and you're 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 doing this with your arm. Uh, we need to work on that. Like you don't want him thinking about that mechanic while he's trying to pitch in the game. So you either need to pull him from the game if it's if the problem is you know is such that the other team is just hitting the ball or or he's causing harm to your team, you know, and he's not able to play it effective. Or it may be that he's still pitching accurately, and you say, you know we got to address this issue not in the middle of the moment. Yeah, and, and honestly, I think most things don't need to be addressed in the middle of the moment. That's so true. Yeah. That's that's actually really good wisdom. I mean, even even between you and your spouse, sometimes like yes. it's better to wait and yes. just cool off a little bit before, yeah. <laughs> before not, not in the heat of the moment, you're trying to make corrections. It's kind of like, yeah. yeah. Well, I just it makes more sense when people yeah. are not as emotional because you can – they're thinking clearly. Sometimes the funny part is they you you talk a couple of days later and say, "Hey, remember that thing you called about the other day?" It's not, I can't tell you how many times I've heard somebody say, "You know what? I calmed down and I realized this." Mm-hmm. And you're like, "Huh?" And they're like, "So then I did this, 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 and this, and this, and I realized it was my pride and blah blah blah." And you're kind of at the end of it, you're like, "Well, okay, glad we talked because <laughs> I didn't do anything for you." Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We figured it out. Yeah. yeah, but but I think when right people that take advantage of you. Um, the, I think the nature of the question is maybe maybe from from the person that asked the question. I think he would say, you know, sometimes you feel like people are asking you the same thing, knowing that you're going to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, and so for me, there's a part of me that would want that would say, like, I know sometimes people are taking advantage or trying to take advantage of me to do mm-hmm. something. I'm actually doesn't bother me all the time. Like, yeah. your if your motives are bad. But my motive is to serve you and to love you and to point you to Christ. Mm-hmm. At some point, that kindness from me is going to kill you, and the Spirit is going to lead you to repentance. Yeah. And at that point, I'll be the first person to go, sweet, now what can I help you with next? Right. Yeah. Whereas whereas I think I think some people are not serving other people well. Their motives are blah, blah, blah. Unless they're asking you to sin. Mm-hmm. Right. If their motives are that they're just lazy and want you to do something for them, okay. You know what? Be happy to do that for you, mm-hmm. and do it with a smile and kindness and and love the person because they're in a moment of sin. Mm-hmm. Right. Their sinfulness is coming out. Their 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 human heart is on display, and at that point, you know, God is gracious and He's generous to us mm-hmm. who are the same way as this person who's taking. I mean. I think a lot of our prayer requests are us trying to take advantage of God. Yeah. And and so God is the same way, right? And so I would want to stretch that this is where patience is important. Mm. Uh and and patience with other people. And you know, oh, but but you don't understand every time my family member does this, though they just have to be right. Then you know what? Let them be right. Who cares? Mm-hmm. You know what? Take 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 the meal to the family meal and let them be right. It's you know, there's so many things that I think we like these little battles that we get sucked into that it doesn't matter if we win or lose the battle, right? What matters is, do we serve these people Christ? And, and we, I think we all know that. I think we all have those family members that are like, we all do. We all have that family member on Facebook that you're like, wow, this is like such a big deal to you. Mm. You know, yeah. like I just sit there and I go, I don't, uh, I get that you're super political, uh, but okay. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah, that's good. I mean, erring on the side of graciousness. Um, 
is really how the Lord ministers to us. I mean, he doesn't err, obviously, but right, like right. if we erred, like if we were too kind, yeah, it's better yes. most of the time. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, uh, as I think as long as you're not doing that to the detriment of your family or yes. like or your of your responsibilities. Yes. You know, and you're and you're also making that you're you're helping that person understand that. Like yeah. you're actually doing them a favor. Yeah, I then, think it's yeah. I think that's the tension, right? the The other tension is when the when the person. So on the one hand, I I'm saying say yes, even if their motives are bad. If it if it's at such a level to where you're not saying necessarily no to your other responsibilities. Yeah, and you're looking at it from the angle of you know sometimes you need to say no not because you don't want to serve that person, but because you're actually saying yes to your spouse. Yes. Yeah, and so right, and those those that's where the wisdom comes in. I have to navigate that. Um, but if you and your spouse are on the same page, there are times where your wife goes, "Look, look, you need to go do this." Yeah, I want you to go do this. As much as I would rather you be here and hang out with me, I'm thankful you get to go do this. Mm-hmm. And and then there's other times where you need to look at the person, somebody else, and say, "Look, um, you know, especially for guys in our in our situation, there are times right where you go, man, I love you guys.'" But I haven't I haven't seen my wife on a on a weeknight in three weeks. Mm-hmm. So it would be better for I'm not saying no to you. I'm saying yes to my wife. Yeah, yeah. And so right, there's got to be some kind of balance. If you look up and you're never serving the church because, and I've heard this before, like, oh, you know, well, we just really spend a lot of we just really want quality time together. Mm-hmm. Well, look, your your time will be better quality if you actually said. If you actually got out of the house and spent time with the church, yeah, yeah, you you would find that your time together is better because the things that you're going to learn with your church family is going to seep back into your marriage, and vice versa. If you look up and you're not hanging out with your spouse ever because you're too involved with other things, you need to say no to that. Mm. Yep, you're losing your spouse. Yeah, yep, that's good stuff. I like it. How do we end up? We ended up talking about the church. Well, that was a smorgasbord of things today. Yeah. So uh, we got more. Again, hopefully that's helpful. Uh, it's not not one topic, but many, and a couple little, um, couple little things there. So, all right. Until next time. Mm-hmm.